0: amen he's faithful to us even though sometimes we don't do the best job at being faithful to him so we're going to be back in john chapter 12 today and we're going to continue the story about how jesus goes into jerusalem and he's headed to the cross he's he's about five days away from the cross and And we've been looking at the book of John. How it's about the fact that Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were created through Him. And without Him, nothing was created. It was created. And then he says, in Him was life. Not just physical life, but spiritual life, right? And that light shines in the darkness. And the light was the holiness the purity the righteousness of men and uh, evil could not overcome it or understand it and he says that the first really 12 chapters or 11 chapters are are the miracles of the messiah and jesus does seven miracles that prove he's god and every time he does a miracle remember john uses a special word that means a miracle with a message right and every time he does a miracle, he's proven he's God. He's God over time. He's God over distance. He's God over nature. And then there's the seven witnesses. And Peter most notably says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Most High God. And he says, Are you going to leave me? And he says, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, right? And Thomas, after he's raised from the grave, he says, he says, I won't believe unless I see you. Put my hands in his side and my fingers in the nail prints in his hands. And Thomas, said, Thomas looks up and there's Jesus. And Jesus says, here, Thomas, put your hands in my side. And put your fingers in the print of my nails. And he says, my Lord and my God. And then we see there's seven I am statements, right? I am the way, the truth, the life, the, the living water, the bread of life, the resurrection in the life and many more so he's he's the great I am and so we've seen these 11-12 these, uh, chapters and then we see that chapters 5 through about the end of 11 they really want to they begin to want to hurt Jesus because they getting tired of him they're losing their power they're losing their prestige they're losing their popularity that is these Pharisees right and so by the time we get to chapter 11 and, and uh Jesus raises Nicodemus, not Nicodemus, Lazarus from the grave, what happens? They not only want to kill Lazarus, but I mean Jesus, but they want to kill Lazarus also, right? So we get to chapter 12, and Jesus has raised Lazarus from the grave. They've had this supper together, and Mary was worshiping at Jesus' feet, and Martha, of course, she was serving, and, and Mary pours out, breaks that vial of alabaster. Uh, base and pours all this spike nerd on, her, on him and it's uh, about enough for a year's worth of wages and she worships Jesus because she does this knowing he's going to die and be buried. And so when we get to chapter 12 we've seen that Jesus, this is predicted by the book of Daniel and it predicts the exact day that Jesus will come in to Jerusalem riding on a donkey and and it's going forth in the command and uh, from our desert to rebuild Jerusalem, and it, I think it's a 170,883 days, and and guess what? That's the day Jesus comes into Jerusalem, and he's riding this donkey, and he's not riding a war horse, but he's riding a donkey, humble and lowly, and they're crying out, "Son of David, Hosanna to the King!" And they should be crying out another one that blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord lowly and sitting on a donkey because jesus didn't come in to conquer he came in to die on the cross and as he's coming in they're laying all these palm branches out there and they're saying hosanna to the king and one minute they're saying crown him crown him and then three days later they're going to be saying crucify him crucify him they're going to say Let's make you king, and now that we're going to kill him. And so we see that, that we're in this picture, and Jesus is there, and and the high priests, they're plotting the killing, and we've seen Mary anointing his feet. And so when we get to chapter 12, let's just read a couple of verses in verse 23, and then we'll read to about 40, 40 or so. He says... But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loses his life, loves his life, will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am there, my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, An angel has spoken to him. And Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me. But for your sake, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. The people answered, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. And how can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? Then Jesus said to them a little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. Let's just stop right there and we'll talk about this section. So what we've seen so far is Jesus is uh, sitting there and He's coming to Jerusalem. If you read the other Gospels, you find out that he's gone in and cleansed the temple, and this has really finished it off. Cause the Pharisees are really upset at this point. They've been wanting to kill him. And about that time, he he's sitting there, and all of a sudden, these Gentiles come up, these Greeks come up, and they say, "We want to see Jesus." And Philip and Andrew they take him to see Jesus and Every time you see Andrew, he's bringing somebody to Jesus, right? And he first brought Peter, his brother, and then he brings a little girl and a boy. And so with the fish, and then now he's bringing these Greeks. And so here Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the the ground and dies, it remains alone. What's he talking about? He's talking about his death and his burial and his resurrection. Unless he dies on the cross and is buried, rise again the third day, then... We cannot be saved. And then he talks about the true believer, those who hate their life and the ones who love their life. In other words, it's not hating that you're living, but what he's saying is that you love him and you love the thought of Jesus and, and what you have in the future more than what you have compared to now. That's like he uses that phrase in another place, if anyone hates his father or mother or... He talks about, he says, uh, uh, Jacob hated Rachel, uh, Leah, but he loved Rachel. He didn't hate Leah, but he, in comparison to his love for Rachel, you know what? His love was as nothing. And that's what God says about us. Our love for him should be so great that our love for others around us should be as nothing. Because the Bible says to love the Lord thy God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. And so he talks about serving him and following him and and we have to do that if we're truly believers. We will do that. We don't have to, but we want to. And then we see, first of all, his anguish here in verse 27. And he says, now my soul is troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this uh, uh, hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So Jesus is, he knows he's going to the cross, right? Think about that. Jesus knew his whole life he was going to the cross. He knew he was going to die on the cross. And you know what? He says, save me from this hour. And, and you know, Jesus is not worried about the physical death that's the problem. You know, so many people, there was a movie made and it focused so much on the physical suffering of what Jesus happened to him on the cross. But that, that was just a little bit compared to what happened to Jesus. When Jesus is separated from the Father and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And during that three hours when it's dark, what's happening? During that three hours, Jesus is paying for the sins of the whole world. He's paying for my sins, your sins, the sins of the whole world. And right before he dies, he said, it is finished. Remember, as he's praying in the garden, he says, Father, not my will, but thine be done. He says, if it be your will, let this cup pass for me. What's the cup? The cup of suffering, the, the being separated from the Father. Don't ask me how God the Father can be separated from God the Son. But somehow they were separated because Jesus died on that cross in a sense he died for our sins, it, not in a sense, but he did die for our sins. But it says he died physically but it was made alive in the spirit. And that's what literally hell is, is dying and being hell forever, separated from God. And that's what was happening to Jesus for three hours. And he said, right before he died, he said, it is finished. What was that? That was his spiritual suffering had paid for all of our sins, right? Not just some of them, but all of them. We sang, Jesus paid it all. We didn't sing, Jesus paid most of it. We didn't sing, Jesus paid 75% or 999 but we sang, Jesus paid it all. That's what the Bible says. It is finished. And so Jesus is saying, Father, my soul's troubled. I mean, he knows he's going to be separated from the Father. He knows he's going to die this death and and be spiritually separated from the Father. And he says, what shall I say? But he says, no, I won't ask that because my purpose is to come and to die on the cross and to be buried and to rise again the third day. And so he says, Father, glorify your name. How can the Father be glorified? Because the fact that Jesus dies in our place and He dies for our sins and He pays for the sins of the whole world, right? And that's how the Father is glorified because He brings many people to salvation. When He says, glorify your name, what does He do? You hear for the third time the voice of the Father. At the, bo- at the time of baptism, what happens? God the Father speaks and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, right? At the time of the transfiguration on the mountain with Peter, James, and John, what happens? The Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And here He says, from heaven, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So He's saying all the things you've been doing, all the miracles, all the signs, all the wonders you've been doing, have been glorifying my name and I'm going to glorify it again by your death on the cross and therefore the people who stood by and heard it said that it thundered and others said an angel has spoken to him. isn't it amazing how this is the second or third time that this has happened and every time it happens some people say that that it's thundering or something else is going on and others say that an angel or somebody's speaking to him right but But what's happening is the Father speaking from heaven, and and people just tend to dismiss what they don't want to believe, right? And people don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to believe the truth. And these people are just dismissing this voice from heaven and saying it just thundered. Others are saying an angel spoke. So, So some people are hearing the voice of God and understanding, but others are saying, nah, that was just thunder. That wasn't a voice. And that's the way people are today. They hear what they want to hear. They believe what they want to believe. Because you know what? Not everybody wants to believe in a Savior. Not everybody wants to trust Christ. And then Jesus answered said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. In other words, that voice of the God the Father spoke because why? He was verifying that Jesus was, was God in human flesh. And he was doing what? giving people an opportunity to hear and to know and to trust in Jesus. But that's not what's happening here. Some of these people are believing and some of them are not, right? And he says, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. In other words, Jesus is saying, when I die on the cross, the rule of the devil's over. Not completely, in other words, he's a defeated enemy, but guess what? He's still roaming about, right? You know what 1 Peter 5 says? The, the devil roams about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, right? Remember Jesus said, uh, remember when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what happened? Adam was the prince of this world. Do you know that? He was the king of this world. God gave him dominion over everything. Over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and all the animals, and He gave him dominion. But you know what happened when Adam sinned, when Eve sinned? They lost that dominion, and that dominion passed over to the devil. And the Bible says that the devil is the prince of this world. That, that when we fight against, when we fight these spiritual battles, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but we're against rulers and powers and principality and wickedness and in high places in other words we're fighting against spiritual forces a lot of times when when people are coming against us and and giving us a hard time and bad things are going on sometimes these things are happening because because the devil's just trying to attack us and trying to keep us from continuing to trust God and so he says here the devil's defeated ultimately but for right now he still kind of running this world until Jesus comes back. And then when Jesus comes back, what's he going to do? Throw him into the lake of fire, right? The Satan, the Antichrist. And then he says here, he says, and if I am lifted up from this earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. In other words, Jesus says, when I get lifted up, when I get put on the cross, guess what? I'm going to save many, many people. Because my death, burial, and resurrection is what's going to make people come to Christ. That is what we're supposed to preach. Paul said, woe to me if I don't preach Christ and him crucified. Do you know that? He said, if I preach anything else besides Christ and him crucified, woe is me. Because that's the, that's the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. That's the good news that Jesus died for our sins. And then he said this, he said, signifying by what death he would die. Jesus knew he was going to die on the cross. This wasn't but a few days before, but it was a prophecy. He said he was going to die on the cross. It was it was foretold in Isaiah 53, 600 years before this book was written. I think it was 600 years, at least 600 years that Jesus was going to die. There was many, many places in the bible that predicted all kinds of things that jesus fulfilled some of them over a thousand years before jesus ever came to earth and died on the cross
1: and then the people
0: answered him and said we have heard from the law that the christ remains forever and how can you say the son of man must be lifted up who is this son of man see the people they don't they they don't want to hear the truth." And they're they picking out some of these Old Testament scriptures. And what they're doing is they're not reading all the scriptures. And they're saying the Son of Man uh, is not supposed to die. He's going to remain forever. But if they'd have read all the scriptures, they'd understood that, that Jesus came to die the first time. But then he comes back the second time. And guess what? He rules and reigns forever, Right? And he never, I mean, he, he dies on the cross, but Jesus was never really completely dead, right? He died physically, but not spiritually. And so here we see that the son of man is going to be lifted up. And they said, who is this son of man? We, we're tired of listening to this jump. What do you mean the son of man? Who is this son of man? And you remember that was Jesus's favorite title, right? He was the son of man and the son of God. He was the son of man because what? He was all God. I mean all man, but he's also the son of God because he was all God. He's the God man. He's God in human flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. John 1.14. And then Jesus said to them, a little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going think about this jesus is the light of the world right and what does he say he says walk in the light while you have the light." in other words he doing. it he's given an invitation be saved right now today get saved and i say today if there's somebody in here that's never truly trusted christ trust him today walk in the light trust in christ believe in christ Ask God to forgive you, ask God to save you, ask God to make you into his child. Because you know what? He says, walk while you have the light because a little while longer, the light's with you. Jesus was there just for a little while. Three years, he was walking amongst them as the Messiah. Of course, he was there 33 years, but they didn't know who he was for the first 30, right? But he's there for three years, and he says, while you have the light, Trust Christ, lest the darkness overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he's going. People who are not saved, they're just wandering around doing crazy stuff. A lot of times it just doesn't make sense. But the world does not know how to really behave because they don't know the Lord. But when you know the Lord, He gives you a knowledge, a wisdom, an understanding, an ability to live life in such a way that it makes sense and it has a purpose and there's a plan because he gives us a plan and he gives us a purpose, right? And so he says these people that are walking in the darkness, they don't know where they're going. The people who are unsaved, they don't know where they're going. And that one unsaved people say, why am I here? What's the purpose of life? What am I doing here? It doesn't really matter anyway, does it? But it does matter because we're to worship the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he says, while you have light, believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. In other words, trust in Christ so that you may have his holiness, his purity, his righteousness, the nature of God in you. And then he goes on and he says, these things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them you know what he did they weren't listening and because they weren't believing they weren't trusting you know what happened he went and hid himself think about that god hid himself from them he hid himself from them and then it says here but although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe him. Remember the miracle with a message John uses? Simeon, he says, oh, he had done so many miracles with a message. He's done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of, of miracles, of healings, and giving people sight, and bringing people back from the dead, and, and healing the blind, the lame, the sick, the paralyzed. He's done all those things. And he says, but they did not believe him. Think about this. God was there. He was doing all these miracles. All these things and they did not believe. And it says that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled which he spoke. Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord revealed been revealed? Therefore they could not believe because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn, so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they might be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men rather than the praise of God what does Isaiah say verse 37 that although he had done so many signs they did not believe you know what happens to people they will not believe and because they will not believe you know what happens God sends a delusion and it says he has blinded their eyes and he has hardened their hearts Lest they should see with their eyes and lest they should understand with their hearts and be saved. I've told y'all before, it's like this. You keep telling somebody something, and what do they do? They keep telling you they don't don't want to hear what you got to say, what do you do? You quit telling them, right? Because you know they're not going to hear, they're not going to believe, they're not going to understand. And guess that? That's what God does. God speaks to our hearts and he speaks to our hearts. And he says, become a child. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Be saved.
1: And he speaks
0: to us and he speaks to us and he speaks to our hearts. And then one day, he knows our hearts get hard and our ears close up and we quit listening. And you know what he does? He quits sending that want to, that desire to know the Lord. Because see, what does he say? They harden their hearts. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, "Harden not your heart as in the day of provocation." And what happened to Pharaoh? It says that, that God spoke to him through Moses, and he said, "Let my people go." And and it says Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he kept doing these things, and and he would he would show him another sign, another miracle, and then then soon as the the plague was over and the next thing happened and it was done you know what happened it said pharaoh would harden his heart again and then finally it said pharaoh's heart was hardened by god and you know what that's what god does to us he gives us our he gives us spiritual if i could say it arteriosclerosis he gives us a spiritual hardening of the heart because we will not hear we will not believe And he finally says Marty I told you the umpteenth time you wouldn't believe guess what there are no more opportunities to believe, to trust and at that point guess what that's it you don't get any more shots at trusting the Lord somebody once said while there's life there's hope but guess what some people they've said to God God you leave me alone and I'll leave you alone and you know what God took them at their word. And you know what? There's a lot of people, unfortunately, they hear that voice of God speaking to their hearts. They hear God saying, Believe on me today. Trust in me today. Harden not your hearts. Today is the day of salvation. And you know what they do? They say, Not today. Not today. Not today. Maybe next time. Maybe later. And you know what happens? Later never comes. Because at that point, God hardens her heart and he takes away that spark, that want to, to trust in him. I've heard stories of people that some lady, she, she told God that. She said, God, you leave me alone and I'll leave you alone. And so she was way up in the hills somewhere and the preacher went to go see her. And she'd been up in those mountains and she says, Pastor. She said, I told God a long time ago, if he'd leave me alone, I'd leave him alone, and I can't be saved. And she had lost that spark, that desire, that want to, to trust Christ. So I don't know why everybody in here, but all I can tell you is, if you got a little spark inside of you that says, I need to trust Jesus Christ today and believe that Jesus is God, that he died on the cross for my sins, he was buried and rose again the third day, and if you're feeling... Something inside of you saying, I need to do that today. Guess what? You better do it today. You might not get another chance. Because the Bible says that if we don't trust him, that ultimately that he will blind our hearts and harden our hearts and blind our eyes because we would not believe. And because we would not believe, we get to the place where we cannot believe. That's what Isaiah said. Like I said, it's like us telling somebody and they won't listen, they won't listen, they won't listen. And finally, we just said, all right, I'm not telling you anymore. I'm done with you. And that's what God does with people sometimes because they will not believe and then they get to the place where they cannot believe. That's a sad place to be, to be living the rest of your life and never being able to trust Jesus. Well, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. We just pray that there's not anyone in here today that doesn't know you or if they don't know you, Lord, that they're refusing and hardening their hearts and saying, I'll wait. I'll trust him another day or just leave me alone. But Lord, speak to hearts today and tell them today is the day of salvation. Trust in him today. Walk while you have the light that you become sons of light. Do that in somebody's life here today. And for the rest of us that know you, thank you, Lord, for who you are and that you showed us who you were and who you are. And then we believed and trusted and because of that, we're a child of the King. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we thank you for who you are and what you've done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.